You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 11. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show is my co-host, Jelena Levin. See you, Jelena. Всем привет! It seems it's just the two of us. Just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> sadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm very happy to have you on the show. It's just... Yes, and, and, sadly, I, and I you, so it works both yeah, ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. It's nice, but it's a bit sad that we have yeah. to do this uh, we miss without Pontus. Pontus. Um, but... uh, just just to, to, to be absolutely clear about this, Pontus is fine. As far as we know, we just heard from him. He is currently on a ski trip in Austria, but he will be back soon, hopefully in one piece. Uh, that, that means Jelena and I will try to cover everything for you this week. We'll go through, of course, the usual parts of the show with uh, On This Day and the segment uh, where we are mentioning skeptic events across Europe for the coming week. We'll also talk about important and or interesting topics as well as our logical fallacy. But we also recorded a short interview with an Italian member of guerrilla skepticism on Wikipedia, Raffaella Vitali. Obviously, uh, this time we won't have a true or false segment because there's just the two of us, which is very romantic, but it's not. <laughs> it's, not um, it's not the same without Pontus. No. Yeah, but when Pontus is back, uh, that will be on again. I promise. Oh. Do you promise? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because it's not me who, who usually prepares that, that segment. So, yeah, I shouldn't be making promises um, in your name. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Great. So the good thing is that Pontus still had found out about somebody who's been really wrong lately in Europe. And he pre-recorded his segment for us. So we'll add that to the show and uh, run the segment at the proper place. So... Are you ready, Yelena? I am indeed. Perfect. Let's get on with it then. Um, I just want to start by saying that we've received um, an email this week from um, uh, a guy called Vlad, and he uh, currently lives in um, Romania. Now, um, he was... um, writing to us to say that he heard about our podcast through SGU and um, just was asking about um, skeptical organizations in Romania um, and how he would go about setting something up there. Um, and then also mentioned a TEDx talk uh, that was taking place later on. And I believe that um, after the talk, he actually met somebody, a co-host of the podcast there called Skeptics in Romania and... Uh, uh, an organizer and founder of an organization called Romanian Rationalist Society. So, um, I think he might have found some connection there, um, and some common ground with skeptics. But if, um, any of our listeners, um, from Romania, uh, know of any other organizations there, um, would you please let us know and, uh, we'll, um, publish on our website. So, uh, one of the, um, questions he also raised was how, how does he go about sort of starting something like, you know, skeptic movement there? And I think, Andres, you had an idea of sort of setting up something like skeptics in the pub in Romania there yeah, to begin yeah. with, you know, and uh, attract some cra- uh, uh, like-minded crowd of people just to have a drink with. And then it normally takes off from there, doesn't it? Um, and grows. 
So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you remember our interview with um, Kirill Alferov? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he said he said the same thing that yeah. that the way you start something like that is just putting together a skeptics in the pub event or something. Yeah, um yeah. and and it starts to grow from there. Um and and th- yeah, there's no better way to do it. Yeah, yep. you c- you cannot start with a huge organization without members, right? Yeah. And also I want to thank Vlad for reporting back on this TEDx event that took place there. Uh, it was a very thorough report and very interesting read. Um and I, I have to say personally I'd love to uh, attend a TEDx or or any TED talk. It doesn't have to be TEDx. Um I haven't had a chance to do that yet, uh, but I've l- I've watched a lot of them on YouTube um and they're always very much enjoyable. I know they can be quite pricey so. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to any. Any. Uh, my my sister has, and uh, yeah, it was pretty pricey. So it's, mm. yeah, it's, it depends. We got an email from from another person uh, from another country, and that is Switzerland. And he lives in uh, Lausanne, close to Geneva, in Switzerland. And he is on the lookout for local events and activities. So um, if if you know what opportunities there are around that region for a skeptic eager to take part, uh, then please let us know so that we can pass the info on or even share it in the calendar or mention it on the show. Yeah, of course, there are lots of events there already, but but we really want to make this a useful tool for everyone, regardless of where they live in Europe. So please, 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 please keep the info coming. Um, yes, and of course, as always, you can reach us um, via various channels. So we're on Twitter and it's at espodcast underscore eu. Um, also, you can email us and our email address is info at theesp.eu and uh, we've got our website which is theesp.eu and you can find us on Facebook and follow us um, and uh, any updates on there. Great. Let's move on to our next segment. Yalana, who's your skepticism-related person of choice this time? Well... I have to say, this is an interesting character that I've chosen for today's segment. Um, he actually died on the 24th of February, 15, okay. 1588. So that was a long time ago, dark ages. Um, his name was Johann Weyer, if I pronounce his name right. And he was a Dutch physician, occultist and demonologist. Mm. Um, Could have he- been the Pope. <laughs> Now, he was among the first to publish against the persecution of witches. Mm-hmm. And one of his most influential works was called On the Illusions of the Demons and on the Spells and Poisons. Now, the reason why I'm saying he is an interesting character is because he was a physician in 1500s. Now, he was trained as a doctor and he obviously um, was working with patients and illnesses or whatever. But um, we got to understand what times he was living in, you know, the witch hunting, etc. And he did, um, you know, um, promoted the medical profession by arguing that the doctor was a more appropriate consultant than a priest in many cases. And by scorning fellow physicians who blamed uh, treatment failures on supernatural natural um, powers um, because as we probably can all imagine people back then were very superstitious but what was so 
strange about him. On one hand, he um, wrote about. Uh, the books um, where he would condemn witch hunting and he would actually uh, propose that witches weren't obviously it's not supernatural or whatever they were just mentally ill um, people uh, who just required treatment like any other illness but on the other hand um, he actually believed in Satan so here he is, uh, following what, you know, now we would call real scientific methods by observation and applying some treatments and whatever, uh, on one hand. And on the other hand, he's believing in, um, Satan and devil and all the powers and stuff like that. So much so that he actually published a book where he describes different de demons and de devils and how you can call them out and how they serve you and the powers they possess. Um, and so one might even say that was a <laughs> cognitive dissonance he used to live in. But yeah, let's not forget these, these are the, the, the times that he was in. And, um, it was wildly believed that the demons actually had powers or existed for that matter. So, um, here we have this uh, very controversial figure on one hand, uh, a doctor and on the other hand, uh, a devil worshiper. Um, his works, in fact, inspired other occultists and demonologists, um, including an anonymous author who wrote um, The Lesser Key of Solomon, which is a spell book on demonology. So here you have it. <laughs> <laughs> Johann Feyer. Well, I'm not sure we could uh, or we should um, criticize him for for believing in the devil. Oh no, absolutely not. No. Yeah, because yeah. that was that was just the mindset of the time. But uh, yeah, a different thing is when when you hear about the the present pope in the 21st century uh, doing exorcism mm. yeah. <laughs> and being involved in it. So it's 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 a bit more of a laughing material. And 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 let's be honest, we have moved on a little bit since 1500s. <laughs> Yeah, the, science, the science just have moved bit. on and we've got somewhat more evidence, etc. Uh, the medicine moved on and we do know a lot more about um, mental illness, etc. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting figure and an interesting perspective. Um, and when actually when I was researching him, um, I've realized something. We shouldn't forget the times in which a specific person who, who who became later notorious for one thing or another lived yeah. in. Because we often want to take him or her out of that time and and measure him or her with, with our 21st century eyes, but we can't do that. So Yeah, you're right. I, I absolutely agree. Okay, thanks very much, Ilana. Right. That was interesting. Yeah, let's move on to the discussion of certain events uh, happening across Europe in the coming week. <laughs> First of all, I'd like to start with something, an article in The Guardian with the title Where to Get Your Science Fix. The article is uh, basically uh, built on a March 2014 report on the public attitudes to science. It's a very interesting one, but uh, since we are covering lots of skeptics in the pub events on a weekly basis, I'd like to mention that this Guardian article really praises events like that and specifically mentions skeptics in the pub events as one of the greatest means 
for scientific ideas and science-related topics to be thrown out there and to be discussed in great detail by experts um, in, in the field. And uh, this this is a great way of, of the general public to access that information. And uh, yeah, this is why we are very excited um, every time that we see skeptics in the pub events uh, popping up here and there uh, across Europe, because this is really happening on a wider and wider platform. So whenever you put out your information there, either on uh, Twitter or Facebook or anywhere, don't forget to use skeptics in the pub as a name, even if your your event is on a different language. This is how we can find it on the internet. And uh, especially when you're on Twitter promoting your event, uh, don't forget the hashtag SITP. That stands for Skeptics in the Pub. So shall we just run through events that are happening this week? Um, and the, on the 24th of February, i.e. today, um, t- there'll be a Tenerife Skeptics in the Pub uh, where they're going to be talking about the power of stories. Mm. And also, on the same day, but in High Wycombe, there'll be a Skeptics in the Pub with Chris Peters and Sarah Foxen. And it's Ask for Evidence Sense About Science. Now, we have mentioned Ask for Evidence campaign before, and it's a great initiative. And if you're around High Wycombe, go and listen and participate. Yeah, and uh, Sense About Science, which is a, a charitable organization, um, is always open um, to discussing uh, different topics, and they always need volunteers as well. So you can find the right buttons uh, on the web- on their website if you want to volunteer. Uh, there is another one, uh, Winchester Skeptics in the Pub. That is happening on the 25th of February, and the speaker is uh, none other than Deborah Hyde. Um, lots of skeptics around Europe know who Deborah Hyde is. Uh, she's an expert on um, witchcraft, fairies, demons, werewolves and vampires. And this talk uh, has the title From Heresy to Witchcraft. Must be very interesting. So we do recommend attending that talk. There is another one the same day that's uh, in Edinburgh, uh, which is a skeptic cinema. And the movie they're going to be watching is Dogma. If you remember that that movie, it raises interesting ideas and uh, questions about the concept of God. Mm. Yeah, it's a great movie as well. It is. Um, and on 26th of February in Valencia, Skeptics in the Pub, they'll be talking about witchcraft at the university. I think there's a theme to this podcast. Hmm. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't think it's it's the same kind of witchcraft that Deborah Hyde is going to be talking about. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's it's mainly pseudoscience and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Which can also be yeah, uh, labeled yeah. witchcraft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um on the 27th of Feb uh, there'll be a Skeptical 2016 by Glasgow Skeptics and that's the event that we've promoted earlier so hopefully uh, a few of you will be able to attend. Yeah, uh, that looks promising. And on the same day, the 27th of February, Murcia, Skeptics in the Pub, uh, it's also in Spain, going to be discussing the mind and what is the mind and how the mind works, uh, which is an interesting topic for skeptics to know about uh, because it can deceive us. 
Yes, that's very true. And on the 29th of February in Uppsala, yearly meeting of the local branch of Swedish skeptics. Now, I've got a friend who lives in Uppsala, so if my friend listens to the podcast, go and join the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, 1st of March uh, in Nottingham, uh, there'll be skeptics in a pub uh, with Dr. Dean Burnett. And the topic is called the idiot brain, what your head is really up to. Now, this is a fascinating subject because we all think we're in control of our actions and whatever have you. And I don't think we are because the brain has mind of its own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, outside of the UK, because the UK has the greatest number of, of these events. Mm. But in Leipzig, we did mention a couple of weeks ago the, the first Leipzig skeptics in the pub. And apparently, there is going to be the second one, which Yay! is a, uh, Skeptics in the Pub Social. Mm. So on the 2nd of March, there is Leipzig Skeptics in the Pub. And on the same day, Oxford Skeptics in the Pub, which uh, is going to be featuring Dr. Kat Arney. She's a geneticist. And uh, if uh, someone knows about the Naked Genetics podcast... She's the host of that that podcast, and uh, she also does a segment on uh, the naked scientists. The segment is titled Myth Conceptions, but this time she's going to be talking about her book that came out recently uh, with the title Herding Hemingway's Cats, How Do Our Genes Work? And I recently attended a talk... Um, it, it was actually um, a private discussion uh, with her own sister... Helen Arney, who's a, a physicist uh, by training and a comedian and a science educator. And that was a very nice chat as uh, part of the Brighton Science Festival. Yeah, obviously, I got the book and I can't wait to start reading it. Just one more thing to mention about our calendar. If somebody doesn't know yet, we've got a wonderful calendar on our website, theesp.eu, uh, where all these events and more will be uh, displayed um, and as they are, uh, well, as people plan them, we'll put them in uh, as soon as we're notified, of course. So keep the events coming and notifications coming and it's just great to see how many there are really all around. It's getting absolutely filled up as we, we get to know of uh, more and more events. And uh, thanks very much, by the way, to everyone who's uh, sent us any kind of information about uh, their events. And congratulations uh, to the organizers on putting together these Skeptics in the Pub uh, events, talks, uh, conferences and stuff. So keep up the good work as you are really making a difference. Hello there, ESP listeners. This is Brian Eggle from Glasgow Skeptics here, and I'm here to shamelessly plug our upcoming big event, Skeptic Alley 2016. And that's Cali as in Caledonia. You know, what the Romans used to call Scotland. Pretty clever, huh? The event takes place on Saturday the 27th of February at Glasgow Caledonian University, and we have a full day of sceptical shenanigans planned with a variety of excellent speakers, including Dr Lydia LePage, representing Sense About Science, expert marketer David Frank, sceptical YouTuber and podcaster Miles Power, and Chief Executive of the British Humanist Association, Andrew Copson. So, if you're near to Glasgow, you should definitely come along. And if you're not near to Glasgow, 
this is the best possible excuse you've got to come visit. In fact, if there's anyone out there willing to travel from another country just for our event, I'll get you in for free. For information on the event and tickets, go to glasgowskeptics.com and follow the link for Skeptic Alley 2016. Or come along to one of our regular Monday night talks and I'll sell you a ticket there. Hope to see you there. Thank you very much. Uh, let's move on to the discussion of certain topics. I should start with um, something that happened in Russia. So Vladimir Putin um, announced that uh, they have developed vaccine uh, against Ebola virus. Um, this announcement actually came in January. Well, at first I've heard of, of it in January. And um, it was quite an odd announcement because there was no details. Putin just went on the record and said, Russia's got a vaccine against Ebola. No, no names of the, what it's called, how it works, nothing. So it's a bit, it was a bit like, mm, okay, well, only because Putin said. Um, but then later on. <laughs> Why would anyone doubt his words? I know, right? Putin's <laughs> always right. Come on. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Bloody hell. But uh, later on, uh, in February, in fact, um, mid-February, not, not long ago, um, there were reports actually, in fact, that the, um, it is, it is true. The, the vaccine has been developed and it's one of the, it, and it's very effective, um, in Russia. And, um, after meeting with the World Health Organization, um, they're going to work together in uh, getting in, into places where it needs, um, uh, the most. Like I said, I haven't found m- many more reports on it, um, apart from this one meeting in Geneva with the WHO organization. And, um, as far as I could see, um, the vaccine distribution was going to be free for the first uh, several thousand people, and then they would try to uh, distribute at a very minimal cost uh, because, obviously, of the implications of the Ebola virus on, onto the population. However, saying that, I have also seen reports of um, a $5 million deal um, that was paid to another company for the same vaccines. So I am now completely and utterly confused. And um, if our listeners know more of what's going on, uh, please enlighten us. But um, uh, the company who received the $5 million uh, towards the uh, Ebola vaccine is in the Russian company. Um, and uh, I, I haven't heard anything more um, apart from, from that. Um, and it's been... <laughs> funnily enough, reported by uh, BBC <coughs> out of all uh, news, who who uh, actually haven't mentioned a word about uh, Russians coming up with vaccine. So, yeah, um, very interesting um, d- development or um, or not really. Um, but because obviously Ebola is such a, b- a big um, scare in, in the world and by the sounds of it, a lot of money involved as well. Well, uh, there's a lot of money involved in homeopathy as well. Oh, yeah. But there seems to be a large-scale offensive against homeopathy in the making in Europe, uh, which is which is quite encouraging, and, and I hope more countries will follow. Um, we mentioned the initiative called Information Network Homeopathy on one of our previous episodes, 
It is a giant collaborative project in Germany with the goal of informing the general public about、uh, why homeopathy is considered quackery and why it should not have a special status in healthcare. Or, well, any status at all, I would say, but let's not overreact here. Even Professor Edzard Ernst、uh, wrote about it on his blog,、uh, mentioning the Freiburg Declaration on Homeopathy specifically and、uh, providing a translation of the original text for everyone to read. So I do recommend you, you check it out on、uh, Edzard Ernst's blog. The declaration comes with a petition that has already been signed by hundreds of people. The interesting thing is that the public reception of、uh, the project seems to be pretty good. With even members of the German parliament talking about it on Twitter and other forums、uh, appreciatively. Now, that is something I see as a factor of great importance. I know I'm, I'm, I'm always getting back to this、uh, politics thing. What, why do I do that? Because these are the people who make legislative decisions that affect all our lives. If, if they start to understand what's at stake, that really makes a difference, in my opinion.、Mm. And、uh, a newspaper,、uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung,、um, issued an article on the 14th of February with the title, It is Pseudomedicine. And it, it explains what the data says and tries to point out、uh, common misconceptions about homeopathy. The whole project has really、uh, started rolling with, with several bloggers writing about it, debates going on on social media platforms, experts and skeptics appearing in the media, and so on. Of course, this has brought about many accusations as well、uh, that the people involved are on the payroll of Big Pharma and the usual stuff, you know.、Uh, but it's not only Germany where great things about homeopathy are、uh, happening. Because meanwhile, in the UK, the Good Thinking Society continues their campaign for the NHS to stop funding homeopathic treatments, persuading NHS centers one by one, which is a huge amount of work. And I cannot emphasize enough how much effort they put in that. The Independent also took on homeopathy with just a reprise of、uh, the, the review by the NHMRC in Australia that,、um, that was published earlier in 2015.、Uh, and it found homeopathic remedies to be ineffective for the treatment of. 68 out of 68 illnesses. So that's, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. And、uh, the other thing, so I, I said large scale, because in Germany and the UK,、uh, there is all this going on, but also in Spain, where we hopefully all remember the Spanish petition against us, the spreading of nonsense in healthcare. Do you remember that? Mm hmm. Uh, they recently held an event with a talk on homeopathy in、uh, Alicante. And the, the central question was whether it's science or witchcraft. Well, I think we all have an answer to that.、Um, but the more events like that are happening, the better people might understand what's at stake and why, why is it nonsense and, and why we shouldn't adhere to those stupid statements and, and silly. Claims、uh, that homeopaths、uh, make around Europe. By the way, people out there,、um, <laughs> how are we doing with uh, uh, the translation of how does homeopathy work?com?、Yeah. Because we were approached by someone who's trying to set, a, set it up、um, in、uh, Polish. And、uh, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on, on helping him. But if 
you have the chance to buy the domain uh, for for the translation in your language. Just do it. It's a very small thing, but it can really make it happen that that you reach people with the idea. Um, So there was an article published in The Guardian um, last week uh, that stated that St. John's Wort tablets have been recalled in the UK um, as a safety precaution after some were found to be contaminated with a toxin which could cause human liver damage. Um, as many as six batches um, or ninety over 90,000 packets in total, which have been on sale since September 2013 and are due to expire between May and August 16. So they were sold <coughs> to... Um, uh, Asda, Superdrug, and HRI Goodmood. So if um, anybody know of anybody or any of our listeners own any of that uh, remedy, please return it back. If some of our listeners are not aware of what St. John's Wort used for, um, it's um, used for treatment of anxiety, depression, and mood swings um, as an um, alternative herbal remedy. Um, instead of taking antidepressants. So it's it's something that is supposed to work, but since it's in a kind of an alternative treatment, it might not work at all, but it contains uh, liver-damaging toxins. Great job, alternative medicine. Since we're talking about alternative medicine, um, have you ever heard about colloidal silver? Mm, I haven't. Yeah, that's, that's basically silver particles suspended in liquid. Okay. Do you drink it and become, like, forever young? No. I want to be forever young. Uh, no, no, no. Because people are always after some forever young and living forever. No, but it's um, it's really taken up as um, a cure-all remedy. You know, kind of. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. So, but but um, basically, they were widely used by physicians at the beginning of the 20th century. And uh, due to its toxicity, that, that could be utilized against bacterial and other infections. But... Later, it uh, turned out not to be really safe. Ooh, okay. So, um, in recent years, alternative medicine rediscovered it. And it has been widely, and I would say wildly, uh, <laughs> marketed with cure-all cure claims. Mm. And um, now what happened is that the Hungarian National Institute of Pharmacy and Nutrition turned to two different authorities that are um, dealing with uh, dubious claims made in the media and uh, having the potential to mislead consumers. So these two authorities are the Hungarian uh, Competition Authority and the Hungarian Authority for Consumer Protection. And uh, what the National Institute of Pharmacy and Nutrition did they they tried to put together the data that they found on uh, colloidal silver, and it turns out that the toxicity really outweighs the potential to treat anything with it. So it's the same case as with uh, St. John's wort. Basically, there is no evidence that it cures anything, but it's 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 a potential threat to um, your your health. Mm. So. Yeah, it's it's something to look for in the future because um, the the Hungarian uh, competition authority usually takes about a year, a year and a half to investigate all these cases, 
and then they act on it. So they they ban certain uh, advertisements, uh, they certain commercials, and sometimes even issue penalties for those actions. I've I've heard about um, diamonds in a facial cream, but. The fact that silver can cure anything, hmm. I, I, I shouldn't be surprised. Silver can be toxic to to bacteria and and other mm-hmm. uh, infectious agents, but mm-hmm. but but the problem is that uh, even with uh, colloidal size uh, silver particles in in liquids, uh, you cannot really guarantee that that it it doesn't do any harm to to the actual tissue that you you put it on. Mm. So it's it shouldn't be used. So this is this is why after a um, short period of time at the beginning of the 20th century they they ceased to use it. Uh, I'm I'm really curious uh, about what's what's going to happen. So uh, on a totally different subject, um, astronomy, um, there is a crash course astronomy available on YouTube. We'll link um, it in a description of our uh, episode later by Phil Plate. Now, um, what happened was uh, he created this wonderful series called Crash Course Astronomy um, and people, obviously in English, but people who watched it also went and translated to different languages, which was great. And so now um, se- several of the episodes are translated uh, into 10, 15 languages and you can actually have it subtitled um, and watch it in your language. Um, and you should because it's absolutely fantastic and I couldn't stop watching um, this, this series today. Actually, I've started and I just couldn't stop. Um, I love everything to do with astronomy. And they did have Russian subtitles, I have to say. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> use them, it's, it's fine. But um, And many, many others. Um, I was very surprised at how much work, and it's great to see the um, goodwill of people. Um, now, um, if um, you, dear listeners, would like to have a look and listen and um, appreciate the course, like I said, the, the description will be uh, added later on. But if you find that your language w- isn't part of the um, already tra- translated subtitles, uh, you're more than welcome and I would urge you to uh, contribute um, in your own language because it's a great uh, little series um, and you'll be surprised how much you will learn. I mean, I'm not an astronomist myself, so everything he was talking about was like fantastic and bits of things I knew, bits of things I didn't, but yeah, highly recommend it. Um, great, so it's a good project for uh, for skeptics around Europe. There is another great project that is basically uh, run by one person called um, Caroline Schwartz from Germany, and uh, she put together a website that is called hoaxmap.org. What this shows is uh, different alleged incidents uh, happening across Germany. And how many are there? You might want to know. There are 261 items. And those items range from rape to absolutely barbaric actions that people reported on. And they turned out not to be true or to be just exaggerated um, on some occasions. So um, even BigThing.com reported on uh, this website uh, with the the title uh, to an article by Frank Jacobs, Mapping Xenophobia. 
He lists a few of uh, this, these reported events, and uh, the, my favorite among them is the rumor that refugees slaughtered and ate a horse from the paddock besides uh, their refugee center in Sternbuchholz. But the problem is that it turned out not to be true at all, so it, it didn't even happen. And uh, two weeks ago, I think, I discussed the topic of uh, the allegedly raped 13-year-old German girl who turned out to just have visited uh, a friend of hers and uh, that was found out by analyzing her mobile phone's um, cellular data. Um, so it's it's quite an interesting list, so I do recommend everyone to check it out uh, because it's 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 good laughing material. The problem is that uh, when you really think about it, the problem of xenophobia is really prevalent uh, around there. And the same could be told about uh, the whole of Europe. And these hoaxes really don't help the cause. Um, it, it They just worsen it. Okay, thanks very much. Let's move on to our logical fallacies segment. Yanana. What's the logical fallacy you would like to discuss today? Okay, this week's logical fallacy is argument by repetition, also known as argument from nagging and proof by assertion. Mm. Basically, it is what it says on the tin, you know, repeating an argument for a premise over and over again in place of better supporting evidence. And this is not <laughs> good enough uh, evidence for anything. But unfortunately, the thing about this um, fallacy is that it often works. Um, so the mere repetition of fallacious argument uh, will often lead to its being ignored by those who disagree and to the subsequent assumption by the general public that the argument must be correct since there are few vocal uh, dissenters. Um, for example, in the past, the tobacco companies, um, you know, persistently spread disinformation for years. Um, and in so doing successfully converted many young people to smoking uh, that eventually killed them. Um, of course, the dictators of many countries set up propaganda campaigns that simply repeat the largely mythical achievements of the glorious leader in inverted commas. Um, and also, of course, we don't have to go far with the uh, anti-vaccination movement. I mean, how many times it's been picked up again and again yeah. um, that vaccinations are, are harmful. Why are they harmful? Because somebody said they're harmful. Nobody goes into details of researching. But the the good the biggest point of it all is that we have to raise our voices. We have to be vocal about uh, what the the proper research and what the proper th- you know, arguments, etc. are because we don't want to be muffled by people like anti-vaccination movements who do, uh, who are being listened to because they shout the loudest. We need to become louder, I think, as, as a, as skeptics and, and free thinkers and, and scientists, etc. Um, but that's, I guess, another topic for another episode, maybe, uh, yeah. how, how we have to improve the science of communication. But there we go. Think about yeah, you mentioned the anti-vaccination movement. Think about homeopathy. People people really think that homeopathy works just because it's been said enough times. The same is with uh, acidification, uh, and and yeah, the list goes on. It's it's just mind blowing. God is great. God is great. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I had to say it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it, but we, we really have to go back to the core of the argument and start from the beginning, you know, say, yeah. okay, where, where is the evidence? Yeah. Who said that? You know, we can't just perpetually say it's great or it's bad because it's, because I said so or because somebody else said so, you know. There are certain levels to this. Um, mm. because the, the moment something is written down and it's on the internet, people will take it as, as a fact. Well, just like we said last episode, do you remember there was a case of somebody saying that Zika virus was spread by the GMO modified yeah, mosquitoes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete nonsense published by somebody like some anonymous guy on uh, bloody Reddit. Yeah. Out yeah. of all places, and not even silliness, medical. Silly you know, claims are absolutely impossible been, to eradicate. Yeah, been yeah. picked up just like this and yeah. spread across and you won't even believe in seconds. Um, so, yeah. Okay, enough of us whining over silliness. <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you very much, Ilona. Um, I think it's time to listen to the interview I recorded with Raffaella Vitali. On this segment... We publish short interviews with people working on important projects or us reporting from events happening in Europe. Here with me today is Raffaella Vitali, the only Italian member of Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia. Raffaella, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Well, uh, you must feel very lonely being the only um, Italian member of this awesome international project. Uh, how did you get involved and, and what is it you do in your everyday life? Okay, um, yes, it is actually quite lonely um, being the only Italian editor on the GSOW, um, mostly because it would be nice for someone else to proofread my work and to give me suggestions. Um, that's kind of hard if you, if you don't have someone else who speaks the language. Um, I got involved with uh, GSOW because I heard uh, Susan Gerbic on uh, Skepticality. Um, there was a period of time where I was listening to a lot of episodes uh, a day to get caught up and I would hear her say, you know, come on, uh, everyone out there, get, get up and do something. And uh, when she started talking about uh, the international uh, GSOW, then I said, well, you know what, maybe I could give a hand, uh, I don't know, translating something. And uh, then that's why I contacted her and I got involved with uh, Guerrilla Skepticism. What brings you to to the field of skepticism? Well, um, as I've heard, like I've heard a lot of interviews uh, from other people, and everyone ends up saying the same thing, and it's sort of my case as well. Like uh, during, I guess, my whole life, I've uh, always questioned things, and uh, what ended up happening was that uh, I stumbled upon a podcast uh, in early 2012, and uh, it was about skepticism. And when I started listening to the things they were saying, like especially when they started talking about, for example, about hom homeopathy, um, I said, well, is that really true? And I started looking into the things that uh, they were saying and they were actually correct. And I, um, I figured, like, I realized that I had so many misconceptions about certain things. And uh, so that's why I think it's important uh, to inform the public uh, a little bit more honestly about certain things. And uh, that's why I just I started uh, getting involved for that reason. Beforehand, uh, were you a Wikipedia editor, or it, it was just uh, GSOW that 
that made you one? No, no, it was GSOW that made me okay. one. Um, I never would have thought in my entire life uh, that I would uh, edit Wikipedia. <laughs> uh, but uh, then I started, and uh, Susan's really good with the uh, training because she starts you off on little things, and then you gain a little bit of confidence, and uh, you start doing other things as well. So it's really, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing uh, how much outreach uh, skepticism can get uh with with working on wikipedia articles it's uh it's absolutely mind-blowing um she's she's now working with someone on putting together stats of actual views of wikipedia articles that um the gsow project has something to do with oh. so it's it's brilliant but you've yes. been involved in working on several different wikipedia articles quite big ones like Massimo Polidoro's uh, Massimo Piliucci is that is that uh, what what you're currently working on? Uh, yes, I worked on those. Uh, currently, I am working on uh, the skepticism page, like the scientific skepticism page in Italian. Yeah. Um, and so it's a bit. Um, I waited a while before I even tried to attempt uh, working on it because um, I like a lot of the stuff that I uh, know about uh, skepticism is uh, basically it's easily available in English. So um, it took me a while to like uh, think about doing the the page in Italian because there are a lot of terms uh, that I'm not like very familiar with so mm -hmm. i just i wanted to wait a while before i uh, started doing that but you're in a special situation being an italian person uh since as far as i know chicap is quite an active organization with uh with prominent figures like massimo polidoro and others frequently appearing on uh on the media yes no that is correct um yes it's uh Like if you turn on the television, uh, even more than Massimo Polidoro, which is, I think he's uh, more known to the English uh, speaking uh, public. But for example, Piero Angela, who is oh, yeah. one of the actual, he was the founder of, um, of CICAP as well. Um, he's even more known. He's a very respected uh, TV personality. He, um, he, I don't know, I think it's been something like 40 years that he has a, a television show on, uh, on the main channel here in Italy. So... Yes, they are uh, very prominent in the media. It's just that uh, they're like the way the um, I'm not sure exactly how um, the the organization is um, actually um, made up in the local groups. Uh, I don't think there are very many. Like, for example, in my area, I know that there aren't any, and I would have to travel very far to even attempt to go to one of the meetings. Have you ever thought of uh, starting a local branch yourself? Um, no, <laughs> honestly, I haven't because uh, it's the thing is that uh, I don't know a lot of people who are skeptical uh, like I am. And uh, so it would be really hard here. Mm, okay. But you work in academia, right? Well, yes, at the moment, yes. Uh, I'm doing a postdoc. I have a contract until December. Uh, but uh, the thing is that... Um, Even the, the people that I speak to here, some of them do have a little bit of uh, beliefs in the paranormal. Not really on the paranormal. It's more that they, um, they're like the people that I know, a lot of them do still have, like, uh, they will believe in things like homeopathy and a little bit of pseudoscience, let's say. Mm. Um, the field that I work in is um, basically I'm uh, in the engineering sciences uh, area of the university. So a lot of the people I have 
I'm I'm in contact with engineers basically. Uh, so you you they're they're not necessarily um, very well educated in like health related uh, topics and stuff. So so this no. is why they tend to fall for uh, things like homeopathy. You say yes. Uh, for example, even the other day I was uh, speaking to uh, another uh, postdoc. Uh, Uh, person here and uh, we're talking and apparently his family goes to an iridologist and I'm like what (laughs) oh (laughs) and he's like well you know he got a this person got a degree from university and they actually um, you know he knows what he's talking about and I'm like okay (laughs) it must not be the same thing that I know (laughs) but that's the way it is it's just it's ingrained so much I've noticed uh, in culture that it's 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 hard, I think, to sway people the other way. Do, does it have anything to do with you living down in the south of Italy? Or um, I, I, is there such a difference between the north of the country and the south? Oh, well, yes. Uh, actually, now that you actually... Well, I'm actually in the central part of, uh, of Italy, but uh, you're right. The, now that I think about it, his family is from the south, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, there is more, like, uh, from talking to people from different places. Yes, you're right. There is more of a... Uh, like I don't know, in the south, people are tend to believe more in uh, in those. They tend to be more superstitious, and I think they do tend to believe more in pseudoscience. Is it is it something that that is statistically proven that there is such a difference? No, this is anecdotal evidence <laughs> from what I've uh, <laughs> I've heard. So like, it's my experience. So it's mm-hmm. uh, I'm not I'm not saying that it's true. Like it, it's not a hundred percent true, but it's from my experience. Yes, you're right about that. Mm, okay. But the reason why I'm asking is because I have similar experience, but yeah, I'm not sure about that. So um, being a skeptic, I'm a bit skeptical about my own perception of the situation. <laughs> That's why I told you it was anecdotal yeah, 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 evidence yeah. based on my experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you're originally not from Italy, are you? No, I was uh, I was born in uh, Canada. I'm from Toronto, let's say, the Toronto area. Mm. And uh, you were not involved in uh, any kind of uh, skeptical activities in Canada, were you? No, I wasn't, uh, because I didn't even know the skeptical movement okay. existed when I was living in Canada. Uh, so, no, in that in Canada, no. But you don't do know that they have an, an excellent podcast. The, re- the Auto- Reality Check. The Reality Check. Uh, the Ottawa, yes. It's run by the Ottawa Skeptics and Toronto Skeptics. Yes. It's, it's a great podcast. I've been listening to it for years, and... Uh, it's been a great inspiration to start this one. Yes. Uh, no, actually, I do. They were the first podcast that I uh, listened to that was uh, about skepticism, actually. Mm. So, yeah, I know them very well. I've uh, I've listened to all their episodes, and uh, I continue listening to them. Yeah, great. If I may say, they're my favorite, but <laughs> it's okay. Maybe I'm a bit uh, biased because I'm Canadian as well. <laughs> okay. But you, you're going to stay in Italy? For a while? Uh, well, yeah. The 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 mo- like I moved here uh, 20 years ago, so yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay. uh, who knows what the future will bring? But uh, yeah, for now, I'm here. So you have to find your skeptical groups there in Italy. Yes, it's uh, it's very hard at the moment. We'll see. Hopefully, in the future. And do you still have time? You said you're doing postdoc. Do you still have time to work on Wikipedia articles? And uh, if so, what is it you're working on currently? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, last year I had, um, I had, uh, yeah, things. Uh, you know, of course, life gets in the way of Wikipedia all the time. Because, uh, for example, yes, last year I had a few personal issues, and um, 
also like with the uh, actual the the last year of my PhD, um, we had a, a few busy moments. So at times I don't like I don't work on it as much as I would like to. But um, as soon as I have time, I, uh, I, I try to dedicate time to it because it's, I think it's very important. Um, and right now I'm working on the um, scientific skepticism page in Italian. Uh, I'm, tra I'm translating the one that's in, in English and integrating the, integrating the Italian one with, uh, with the quotes and with uh, more information based on the English version of the page. Mm, great. Sounds good. And uh, yeah. is there anything that you would like to say to our uh, listeners, um, potentially with a few of them uh, living in Italy, something to make them join you or anything so <laughs> in, in your efforts? Well, uh, yes. If there is someone out there who speaks Italian or any other language, uh, please join GSOW because um, it's, it's a very nice experience. And um, also I've... I've met a few people, uh, not personally, but just online, because uh, there's someone out there who will help you if, if you have problems. And, uh, you know, don't be afraid of, uh, of the fact that you would edit Wikipedia, because it's, uh, it's really, it's not hard to do. And uh, if you have sources, it's, uh, you know, you're just enriching uh, the culture of the entire world. So if there's especially someone out there who speaks Italian, please join so that I'm not the only uh, Italian uh, editor on Wikipedia anymore. <laughs> on GSOW. I'm Sounds sorry. good. I do encourage everyone uh, uh, to, to join too. It's, it's a great initiative and uh, it really makes a difference. Yes. So I wish you good luck with uh, uh, both your uh, scientific career and uh, your, your skeptical you. activities. And uh, well... I um, hope you'll find your uh, local skeptical group as well. Uh, where is it exactly uh, where you are, if, if you can tell us? Uh, oh, yes, that's fine. Uh, I live in Fano, but uh, I'm at the university in Ancona. Okay. That's on the, the eastern side, the eastern side of the country, the, 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 or where, somewhere uh, in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Yes, in, on the Adriatic Sea. Yeah. Oh, great. That's a, that's okay. a nice place. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, the beach is right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yes, it is. Well, if uh, local skeptics want to, uh, want to uh, gather uh, with uh, like-minded uh, people on like-minded Wik Wikipedia editor and skeptic, uh, feel free to find Rafaela. Are you on Twitter? Uh, no, I'm not. Actually. You're not? Okay. Not yet, probably. No. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, uh, if uh, any of uh, the people listening to this uh, want to contact you, uh, just find us first and... Uh, we will make the contact. Okay? Thanks very much. Rafaela, it's been very nice talking to you. Yes, it's very nice talking to you. And uh, you guys keep up the good work because uh, your your podcast may be new, but you guys are doing something very important, I think. Thank you very much. So thank you. Thank you very much. Well, uh, hope to meet you at some point somewhere uh, around you. Yes. Okay. Take yeah. care. Okay. Thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. Let's find out who's been really wrong lately somewhere in Europe. Hey, San Aliup. As Andras and Jelena will have told you by now, I am on vacation. If all goes as planned, I will be in Austria skiing as the others record this episode. And I'm sure I'm having a good time. But someone here in Sweden has been really wrong, and I just thought we could not ignore it. So I'm recording this in advance. This means also that there may have been new developments before this show airs, but if necessary we will come back to that uh, at a later episode. 
Unfortunately, this is a rather depressing case. The background is that there's a huge scandal at Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm, Sweden, regarding a surgeon called Paolo Macchiarini. For those of you who don't know, Karolinska Institutet is a medical university and the largest center for medical academic research in Sweden, and one of the leading ones in the world. Also, Karolinska Institutet is known for selecting the Nobel laureates in physiology and medicine since 1901. So, as medical research and education goes, Karolinska Institutet is a big deal. So, what is this scandal? Paolo Macchiarini is a surgeon and a researcher who started as a guest researcher at Karolinska Institutet in 2010. He did so to continue his research on replacing trachea, or windpipes, on patients who've had their throats damaged or destroyed by illness such as cancer. Already in 2014, there were reports about problems with the research behind the procedure. In May last year, there were big news in the media that Macchiarini's methods were being questioned. Karolinska Institutet initiated an investigation, which was good, but in August they freed Macchiarini from misconduct. Well, now it turns out that there might have been big problems after all. There are reports of the same picture of a rat being duplicated in the, in the research, and Macchiarini appears to have financial ties to the manufacturer of the trachea, uh, and that's something that he previously denied. There are a little bit different reports in the media about how many experimental operations have been conducted on humans by Macchiarini. But one says that eight people have been operated, six of which have since died from complications. There is now a new independent investigation started to analyze uh, Karolinska Instituted, but already now it has resulted in two resignations. The first is Urban Leandahl, Secretary General of the Nobel Assembly, who resigned from that role on 7th of February to prevent his involvement in this affair from tarnishing the award. The second is Anders Hamsten, he was vice-chancellor of Karolinska Institutet, and he resigned on 13th of February. Of course, Paolo Macchiarini himself seems to be the bad guy in all this. But this is still under investigation, and in any case, bad people will always exist, and there's not much we can do about that. But important institutes like Karolinska are supposed to have procedures in place to protect the public. So for failing to do this, Karolinska Institute gets today's prize for being really wrong. Hope to see you next time with a little lighter topic. But now it appears I have to go skiing. And maybe later tonight, some of you will find me in the pub, drinking skeptically. Cheers! Well, thanks very much, Pontus, wherever you are. He's having a good old time, is Pontus, I know he... he yeah, I'm just hoping he's so taking care of himself. Well, yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Are you annoyed by misinformation spreading like crazy? And you want to stop the flood of nonsense coming from all directions? Go to Wikipedia, as do all those millions out there. Did you know there's an edit button on all Wikipedia articles? Why don't you go and hit that button to start making the world's largest online encyclopedia a more reliable source of information? If you're specifically interested in skeptical topics, 
Come and join us at Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia, an international endeavor to change the world for the better, word by word. There are many ways you can contribute. You just need to start. You speak several languages, all the more reason to join us. We provide training and all the help you need. If you want to make a change, there's a nice community waiting for you out there. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com, visit our website that's gorillaskeptics.com or check out the Gorilla Skepticism on Wikipedia Facebook page. Great. I think this wraps up our 11th episode. There's nothing left but uh, you throwing in a nice quote, Jelena. Uh, yes, so today's quote comes from an uh, Austrian-Swedish um, physicist um, called Lisa Meitner. And she said that science makes people reach selflessly for truth and objectivity. It teaches people to accept reality with wonder and admiration, not to mention the deep awe and joy that the natural order of things brings to the true scientist. That is nice. Yes. Thanks very much, Ilana. And uh, thank you. Thanks for this cooperative work. I think um, we did a great job without Pontus. Uh, well, I I still do miss him. Oh, me too. But don't tell him. Don't tell him, please. No, no. Okay, I just uh, we'll tell him. Just, we'll just, tell him later. Just between us. So I uh, I will be happy when he's back. We are complete when all three of us is there. Yeah, we're a team. We're a team. Yeah. So hope to have. Pontus back next time. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub, and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu, and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe A little bit of a bum bum Ah, so what about this idea of setting up uh, the ESP uh, choir? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really uh, like that the one. The ESP actually. choir has yeah. two members already. <laughs> no, well, Pontus... You and me. No, yeah, Pont- and Pontus, Pontus yeah, said three. he will be... Um, yeah. He- boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's happening. Oh, yeah, it's happening. <laughs> what did I want you to say? I have no idea. Uh, you were going to say it's the end because we're not doing fallacies. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Not yeah, fallacies, yeah. true or falses, because there's, there's only you and me. Okay. So, Andres, what yeah, do you yeah, think yeah. the true is? Uh... <laughs> yeah, thanks very much for... 
Yo, no, 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 no. There's nothing left. <laughs> Sorry. I will not be grateful. <laughs> what? <laughs> you said thanks very much, and, you, and then you'll be like, no, 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 I am not saying thank you. Never. 